So as we get started, would you stand your feet really quickly and open up your Bibles? We're going to look in the book of John chapter 15. The book of John chapter 15, and we're going to be looking at verses 5 through 7. It says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. Verse 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. Man, that's a powerful section of scripture. Let's pray. Father, for the next few moments of time, I pray, God, you would open each of our hearts, that that God, we would realize that this word's not for somebody else, this word's for each of us. And the Father, that as it goes out into our lives, your word, that God, I pray our hearts would be fertile soil that God, it would bring back a harvest of good in each of our lives. I pray, Father, that we would be convicted. That, Lord, we would look at our lives, no matter where we are on the journey, and recognize that every one of us needs to be better. And I pray that, God, when we leave this house today, when we leave our time together, whether watching online, whether listening by podcast, in whatever manner, that when we leave this time together, God, that we would be better in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. You can be deceited. You can be deceited. <laughs> y'all, y'all know better than me what you need to do. Anyway, don't look up deceited. I have no idea what that means and I don't want to know. Anyway, so... I want to talk about the power of abiding, the power of stepping into that, of of continuing. And that's what we talked about last week was the power of continuing in Christ and to stay in Christ is another way to say it. So as we dig into this, it reminds me, first of all, I think there's an important part of this that we need to dig into is when we're reading all about this, it all starts in the Sermon on the Mount which is this powerful message that Jesus speaks and and tells. And it's just this amazing moment. And and we read it and it's like, wow, you know, it's like blessed are this person, blesses this person, blesses this person. He starts going through what we call the Beatitudes. He starts going through all these things telling us how to live, telling us what it means to be kingdom. Now, here's the struggle in that. Because we have this tendency to read scripture and make assumptions. And when you read those scriptures in a cursory glance, a lot of times you're looking at it because in uh, Matthew chapter 5, which is where that's found, where in Matthew chapter 5 in that gospel, he's talking about it and it says the multitudes, the people crowded around. But what we miss is that this message was not directed to the masses. This message was directed to the disciples and those that were following him continually. 
So when we look at this, we have to realize that for some reason, because of our imperfection, because that we're all kind of messed up, you know, and because we all make mistakes, Jesus was reminding his disciples because he knew he wouldn't always be there. See, that's the thing you have to realize is that you can listen to the word of God all the time. You can listen to every preacher. You can listen, you can, go, you can wake up on Monday morning and have your podcast list of every great minister around the world and you can get so much word and you can get so much preaching all through the week, more than people have ever been able to get in the history of this world. But yet if we don't learn to apply what God is pouring into us, it does us no good. So Jesus is telling his disciples and he gathers them around and they sit around his feet and he's teaching them and he's pouring into them. And he's showing us something in this moment as he's teaching his disciples. For people to grow, for us to grow, it requires connection. It requires connection. It requires for us to be willing to be a part of something that sometimes is difficult. It's that part of our experience that says, you know what, when life gets difficult, I have people around me that will build me up, not tear me down. It's that part of life that we need to understand that even Jesus, when he poured into his disciples, and I know I'm jumping into this quick, but I'm try, I'm, I've made a promise to myself, I'm gonna, I'm gonna change some things, so I wanna, I'm jumping right in. But Jesus is showing us through the example of his life that we need connection. So he, he teaches us and he's teaching them. And, and as we're disciples and as we're following him, we need to recognize and reread this passage of scripture and this section of scripture, the Sermon on the Mount, and say, God, if that's not for everybody and it's for me, help me see where I'm missing the mark. Help me see where I'm not being what I need to be in this moment. And that brings me to this section of scripture in verse five, uh, John chapter 15, verse five. And this is what I wanna look at just for a minute, two verses. It says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, remember that word abide, it's talking about continuing, all right, to stay. Now, I'm going to pause on that just for a second because what I want you to remember is we talked about the kingdom road. The problem in our lives is we always think of that choice about which road we're going to take. We think of it in the mi mindset of I'm getting saved, I've now chosen the kingdom road, or I'm rejecting Christ and I'm going off and doing the world thing. But I want to bring to you as believers and as disciples and as people that are trying to grow in their relationship that the kingdom road is a continual process. Because as we described it last week, there's all kinds of off ramps that you can get off of the kingdom road. And sometimes you take an off ramp that seems good, but yet in the end you realize that that wasn't the kingdom road, that that was a distraction. And the reality is, is that there are plenty of distractions in our world today that could point you in directions that are not the direction that God wants you to go in. So that's what we have to remember when we read this, but it says, he who abides in me or continues in me and I in him bears much fruit. Now, what are we talking about fruit? 
when he's talking about that, fruit is what we grow in our lives. The Bible says, how do you judge someone? All right, actually that's a whole nother message, but, but we're not gonna talk about our, our issues with judging people because I know nobody in this room or nobody listening ever has an issue with judging people. None of you. Don't point at anybody, that's not nice, it's judging. <clears throat> but the Bible does says, how do we judge people and do it right. We judge things by the fruit that they bear, right? So as we're on the kingdom road, what I wanna tell you is we read the scripture, we recognize the closer we are to Jesus, the closer and more connected we are to him, then the more fruit that we bear. So I wanna paint it like this for you today, is the truth is, as we're driving down the kingdom road, trying to be everything that God's called us to be in a difficult world where we don't understand everything, we don't have a clear picture, there's a lot of confusing things. The political world, it's a hot mess. The, the every, everything is a hot mess. The world is nuts. You know, and, and when I look at that, I just think it's important that we understand as we're traveling that road, it's not that God takes away all the struggle and takes away all the things that make life difficult because it's not necessarily that way. But what God does is he gives you an abundance of fruit. In other words, he gives you everything that you need to be who God's called you to be, to continue on the road that he has for you. Bring that scripture back up. I wasn't finished yet, come on. So. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I am in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. And let me say this. The reason that many of us as believers, if we were to be really honest with ourselves, do nothing is because we're trying to do life without him. We come to church. We listen, we serve, and all these things. But what I'm trying to help you understand, there's more to it. We have to learn to stay in him. He is the vine. You are the branches. And if we're not connected to the vine, then there's no strength in the branch. The branch, as verse 6 says, withers away, and it's not good for anything but to be cast into the fire and burned. So what I want to challenge you with today is to understand that if we're going to stay on the kingdom road, it's going to be dependent upon connection. You need to be connected. People say all the time, Pastor, why are you, why are you always talking about small groups? Why are you always talking about getting involved and serving and doing all those things? Because it's about connection. You know, isn't it fascinating, before we even get into these three things, I'm gonna give you real fast. Isn't, isn't it fascinating that the, the need of connection is so great? I don't think we realized how great it was because we took things for granted until for many of us, a lot of that was restricted. And all of a sudden, we didn't have the connection, the physical connection with people like we were accustomed to. It's so funny that the need for connection is so great that there are programs and there are apps that that's all they're for, connecting. Right now, you guys online, we're thankful for that connection, right? We're thankful that we're able to use that right now. 
that we're able to project those things because it helps us connect. But it's so interesting to me that the very thing that we have to help connection actually causes disconnection. And I think sometimes it's that story of the kingdom life. It sounds like, man, it's like, that's the perfect thing. That road's great. That's that, man, let's travel down that. How easy is this going to be? And then we get dependent upon technology to make connections. And pretty soon, that connection's not even a connection. Because let me be honest. I don't know how many Facebook friends you are, have, but can I just tell you right now that I may actually know 10% of the people on that list. I get messages from people and they, you know, I'm like, going, I have no idea who you are. One, one guy sent me a message and said, let's reconnect. <laughs> and I looked at it and I went to his page. I started looking. And I said, I do not know this guy. So I asked, cause I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not at that age that sometimes I forget things. So I'm asking the people around me, I'm showing my wife and I'm showing me, you know, and all this stuff, do you know who this is? And it was certain, I won't say who it was, but anyway, so I went to some of my other friends who work in that field and said, do you, do you know this guy? I, nope. I'm like, we've never connected in the first place. How can you reconnect if you've never been connected? But that's the whole problem with that is that it seems like connection, but it's not. Why? Because it's surface. That's why people can say things on social media that they would never say. You would pray to God they would never say that in person. Because there's a lot of things people say online if they said to your face. I mean, I grew up in the South. <laughs> you know, you know, Northerners would say the same thing. But the, the truth is, you know, there are some of the things that get said online or in an email or things like that that you're thinking, you know what? Why don't you come tell me that? But that ain't going to happen. You know, and I'll be honest, there are times I'm tempted to say, well, <laughs> and get on my righteous soapbox and say, you know, and so, but you know what, I would, and I always stop and I say, would I say that to their face? And the answer is normally, no, I wouldn't. So I think that's the problem is we get into that place and we realize that it's surface connection and God said, no, 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 you don't understand. Many of us, are living with a surface connection to Christ. And we wonder why our life is not what we wanted it to be. It's because your life isn't what God intended it to be. Because you cannot be a whole if you're not fully connected to the vine. And I know, I, I know everybody wants me to tell some jokes and make you laugh today and who knows what will happen, but I think it's important that you get the depth of this because we do not live in a time where we can mince words with it because we live in a time where our faith will be challenged. We live in a time where what we believe in is changing rapidly underneath our feet or at least the world around us. And we have to make sure that the things that we are core and the things that we believe in remains the same even as the world shifts around us. So what does that look like? Okay, there's three connections that we have to have, all right? And I'm gonna explain why and how that works. But the first connection is obvious, we've been talking about it, is to Jesus. These are aspects that I wanna talk about. Your connection to Jesus. What does that look like? I mean, what does it look like in your life? Let me ask you. Is the only time you have an intimate moment of worship and connection to Jesus is when the worship team's leading you in worship? Is that it? 
Because I'm, I'm glad that you had that moment, but I can tell you this, that if you're fully connected to the vine, this is just a start. You understand? See, what does your connection to Jesus look like? Is the only time that you dig into the word is when somebody's preaching it to you? You see, it, it really depends. That's how you can judge. What is my connection like? What is that level like in my life? Is it a struggle for me to do that? And you know, I, I know y'all are all like super righteous people, unlike me, is that sometimes even as a pastor, it's a struggle. I'm just gonna tell you. Because life comes fast. And as you're dealing with stuff, sometimes I'm like going, really, I, I don't have an hour, God. I mean, that's what I feel like saying. It's like, really, God, you know, it's like, God, I'm sorry, but you understand, you gave me this job. And you know these people, Lord. But we start making excuses. And what I can tell you is when you begin to look at your life and you can look and say, where am I not plugged in? Where is it a struggle? All those things. That is the, the key that tells you how am I in being connected to the vine? How am I connected to Jesus? So let me give you this key thought. The healthier and more vibrant our connection to Christ is, the more we will have everything we need to continue on the kingdom road. And I think this is such an important thing to think about because the healthier, more vibrant our connection with him, what this means to me is that the more connected we are, the more fruit our lives will produce. And it's fruit from the vine. Because the problem is a lot of us want to bear much fruit. We want to do amazing things. We want to be anointed. You know, and, I, and I'm talking to people, I'm talking to believers right now, of course, but I mean, it's kind of, it's kind of funny. I hear it all the time. I said, Pastor, man, I, I want to, I want to walk in that anointing. I want this anointing. I said, you better be careful what you ask for. Because the question is not, will God anoint you? The question is, how much are you willing to put up with and to tolerate and to fight through to have that anointing on your life? I remember T.D. Jakes, talk, uh, Bishop Jakes, I remember him talking about this story. This is years ago. And some guy came up to him and said, Pastor, I want that anointing. I want to walk in your anointing. And he said, he said, that's awesome. That's great. He goes, can I preach next week? And he said, it's always interesting that everybody wants the platform, but nobody wants to do the work that built the platform. He said, that anointing is expensive. And he says, as a matter of fact, I, I, I just don't think the guy knew and understood that what built that anointing was when I was hitchhiking to get to churches to preach the gospel. You see, I think a lot of times we, we think of all these things and we say, well, I, I want this fruit in my life. But the reality is, is you say, well, the fruit comes from the branch, but the branch comes from the vine. And I don't know about you, but have you ever seen uh, a, a fruit tree? My, my parents used to have all these fruit trees. They, they loved fruit trees and I, I'm so thankful for that. But uh, have you ever seen a fruit tree when a limb gets damaged and it has fruit on it? and the limb gets damaged, and then over time, have you seen what happens to the fruit? You know, on one limb, it's nice and big, and you could just, man, that looks really good. And then you look at the other one, it's kind of starting to wither and darken, and it just doesn't look good. See, that's what happens when you're trying to do life 
and you're wanting fruit, but you're only slightly connected to the vine. So in your relationship, in your, in your marriage, and you're, you're sitting wondering, I, I, want my, I want a vibrant marriage, I want things, then you need to look and you say, well, what's wrong? What's wrong is first, first of all, first of all, don't look at your spouse and say, well, they're not connected to the vine, they're the problem. No, that's too easy. You need to look at your own life and say, how connected to the vine am I? And the reason I say that is because so many people go through life and we wonder why we have these struggles, but God said the biggest connection you need in your life, the basis of this is being connected to me. And you know, people say, well, how do I do that? How do I injure that connection? It's really simple because we end up injuring the connection to the vine by conversations that we have. Now, I know none of you engage in that deadly sin called gossip. But you know, when you talk ill of a brother, when you speak, even if it's true, do you know if you speak ill of a brother and you start to do those things, do you know what you're doing? You're injuring the connection that you have to the vine. The conversations that you have that you don't think anybody knows, you think, oh, it's, it's fine. Let me tell you something. If it's not something, and we can read it when you read the Sermon on the Mount, what should, my, what should my conversations look like? Read. It tells us. What should my life, how should I deal with people around me? It's right there. But we have to understand that we make sure that we protect our connection. So connection to the vine is so important. Connection to Jesus is so powerful. So we come to this place that, yes, we're called to abide in Jesus, but when we abide in Jesus, that's also lived out through our connection with each other. So what I, what I want to present to you, when you're connected to the vine, you have to understand if you're connected to the vine, then what's important to the vine is important to you. And the Bible's very clear in how we're supposed to live out life, right? It says, the Bible teaches, says, how will they know you? By their love for one another. So basically, when, we're, when I'm saying this, that if we don't live out a life of loving each other, and right now, I'm not even talking about loving the world and the people that are lost and, and with, that are undone without Christ, because let's be honest, have you ever been in a church fight? I mean, you think a gang fight's bad. I mean, now I'll be honest, I don't know that we've ever had one in many, many years, but I do remember, because I grew up in the, in the house of God, I grew up as a, as a preacher's kid. And let me tell you something, people, I, I, I grew up in Millersville, we say people ignorant. People ain't right. And, and, and it's like, man, are you kidding? We're gonna fight over the color of a carpet? And there are people that are dying and going to hell. You were, make the carpet green. I don't care. Well, that's not true. I do care. But I'm just saying, we're not gonna fight over it. You know what I'm saying? And we come to that place and we say, well, how do we do this? Well, this is the other place we need to be connected. Number one was being connected to Jesus. The other part is being connected to what he loves. What does he love? He loves the church. So what I'm saying is we've got to be connected. This is my second key thought that I think 
is so powerful. It says, and it's a question. How can we love outside the church if we can't love inside the church? And I'm going to be very honest because we're all humans in here. Well, most of us are human. But I don't know if you've ever noticed, it's hard to love people. It's hard to look past stuff that just drives me crazy. But I will tell you a good lesson and a good training thing in learning how to love people is be married. Right? I mean, y'all know that. Y'all, I'm telling you. And you say, well, what, what does that mean? Man, when I got married, I, I had this perfect idea. This is what marriage is going to be like. Can I just tell you right now, there's some of that that was true, but most of it was not. You know, because I'm going to tell you, I, I mean, to me, I was dating my, wife, my future wife at the time, and, and I was dating Tawana, and she was perfect. She was always, man, every time I saw her, she was together. Man, you get married... Y'all know what I'm talking about? Yeah, it's like, because, you know, I'm just going to tell you, and these are the stupid things that men think in our head. You know, I'm thinking pajamas. You know, I got this idea of what pajamas look like. That ain't reality, y'all. It ain't going to be long before you get the old sweatpants and the old baggy shirt that hangs down to their knees. And you're like, never mind, I'm going to stop. But we learn to love. But that's the truth. I mean, we learn to love through the things. You know, because I can tell you this, my wife is a clean fanatic. It's always clean. Everything's together all the time. Not me. But... As we grew together, I submitted. <laughs> Y'all know that's the truth. But anyway, as we grew together in life, and I learned to love, and I knew what that meant and what that looked like is this. I said, you know what? It's okay. I'm going to do this because I'm going to keep the peace. And over time, it comes to the place. Now, if I walk into something, and it's out of order, and there's a mess everywhere, it drives me nuts. In other words, some would say, I grew. So what I want to challenge you with is to understand is sometimes we'll say, how can I love this person? How can I know this person is so different than me? By abiding in Christ and saying, Jesus, you loved me when I didn't deserve it. You loved me and still love me and I'm the biggest mess in this room. Yet you still chose to forgive me. So, why is it important that we connect to God's people? Why is that such a big deal? <laughs> because Jesus made it a priority and said, if we're going to change the world, then first we've got to love each other. We've got to decide that just because somebody's spiritual experience doesn't exactly mirror yours, then you're saying, oh, no, I'm not getting around that people, those people, those people crazy. Because I'm just going to tell you this right now. I've been alive long enough that sometimes you need some crazy. 
There are situations in life that I don't need dull and tame and let's just say, well, I'm going to pray about it. Sometimes I need to jump and shout and scream and I'm telling you. And we realize there's value in everybody's experience and we say, you know what? God, I'm going to learn to love people that aren't like me, that didn't come from where I came from, that didn't experience the things that, that I experienced. <laughs> because we have a choice to make. The church can either be a place of petty conflict or it can be a place of radical grace. Which one would you rather it be? I don't know about you, but I unquestionably say I'd rather have radical grace. Because the world is full of petty conflict and it would be nice if God's people could come together and not be engaged in petty conflict and instead love each other beyond themselves and see ourselves as this, you're a work in progress. <laughs> I give you grace. Yes, that was really stupid, but you have grace. I don't understand you, but I give you grace. And the other person should be doing that as well. And when we do that, we begin to go, oh, wow, this is what the Bible's talking about. This is when the world sees people like us that are all different and coming from different areas. When they see us loving each other, when the world says, oh, no, don't mix that up. Because let me just tell you something. When black people, white people, Asian people, Hispanic people, all of us, I don't know, I can't even name all of them. And it, when we all come into the house together and we're all loving each other, even though some of us are extremely different, our backgrounds are different, our traditions were different, but yet we're loving each other, that's when we're being the church. And that's when the world looks at the church and goes, wait, there's something very different. And that's what I want. I need that. But that's what the church should be, a place of radical grace. And we should love people so tremendously. But the truth is we have to live it out here first, everybody. We have to live it out here first. So let me share one more with you. So we need a connection to Jesus, connection to the church. Jesus is the vine. The church is all the branches but we also need a connection to the marketplace. Some of you say, well, what? What does that have to do with abiding in Christ? Well, can I just tell you this, that the fruit that we have is designed to give us the strength to do what we are created to do. And ultimately, and you may say, no, my gift is this or my gift is that. Ultimately, every gift that God gives is designed to draw people to him. So when you begin to look at this, you begin to say, the marketplace, the marketplace is the harvest field. And if you are just trying to cruise down the highway, you know, and you're just kind of cruising down and you got, it's like, man, I ain't stopping for nobody. We riding because if I stop, something's going to happen. I'll be, you know, it's like, we're just cruising down. I got the radio up. I'm having a good time. Listen to me. The church was not designed to cruise by itself. The church was designed to sacrifice for the communities that they're in, to intercede for the people that need hope, to be a light that the whole world can see. I love it where it says it's a city set on a hill for all to see. It's one of the things I love about this building. The fruit that we have 
is designed to feed those who haven't found or those who have navigated away from the kingdom road. So ultimately, when we look at all this and we say this connection to the marketplace, it brings us full circle to understand that, listen, if you want to be connected, the deeper your connection to Jesus, the more the marketplace is going to matter to you. The more the church is going to matter to you, the people around you. When we talk about the church, it's not four walls. It's our brothers and sisters in Christ. Connection to the marketplace, the field, the harvest field. (laughs) It's the most vital part. Let me share one more key thought. To abide in Christ, we must stop relegating faith to the confines of our private lives. I grew up in a time, like many of you did, where religion was kind of like politics. You didn't talk about either publicly unless you were a preacher. Sunday was the day you talked about that stuff, unless you were the preacher. And you would talk to people and say, say, well, have you shared Christ with this person at your work? Oh, no, oh, no, I don't do that. I don't do the religious thing at church, at work. Can I tell you something? That religiousness, and I say that very lightly because I believe religion carries, uh, uh, is, is a misnomer. But if you're walking with Christ and you're abiding in Christ, you don't have to go to work and go out of your way to be Christ-like. You are Christ-like. It's who you are. It's the words that you say. But we have to understand that if we're going to do that, we've got to come to that place where we say, you know what, no longer is my worship going to be just in the house of God. No, no, no. No, am I going to tell people what God's done for me? Yes, I can't wait till they have testimony night. You'll be waiting a long time, but still. That's from y'all that go way back. <laughs> y'all remember those? Testimony night. And, and the thing would say, hey, who wants to sing a song? You know, and, and, and it's, always the, it's always Mary, Miss Mary. Sorry if there's a Mary out here, but... Miss Mary said, well, Miss Mary, come on up and share a song with us. You know, Miss Mary would come up and she'd start singing. And the first thing that she'd say, she'd say, now y'all listen. Don't, don't y'all listen to the way I sing. You just listen to the words. And that's when everybody in the house goes, oh, sweet Lord. Because you know what that means. And she starts singing and the whole thing is the problem with it is you can't understand the words because you can't get past the way it sounds coming out. Anyway, I don't know. I need to get off that. But it's so interesting that we look at this and realize that so many of us restrict our faith to only when we're around other people of faith. And can I tell you something? And Christians, listen to me. If you don't have any unsaved friends, you're not doing it right. I'm sorry. No, you said, no, no, no. I'm not of the, I'm not of the world. I know you're not of the world. But the word says you are called to the world. We're not of the world, but we're called to the world to show them Jesus. Not to do what they do, not to behave the way they do, but to show them Jesus. So we have to take our faith outside of the church walls. We have to take our faith beyond what's comfortable to us and say, God, change me. 
And I think that's the call that God's making to the body. I believe that's the call that God's making to all of us. And as we were talking earlier before, during worship is, man, we all need a breakthrough. We all need God to do something. I have dreams in my heart. I have things, there are things in my life, there are things, man, I need you to do something, God. I need you to directly do something in this situation. God, I need your help in this moment. Some of you, it's your health. Some of it's your relationships. Some of it's, you, it's, it's your intimacy with God. Some of it's your financial life. All those things, and those are real deals. And can I just tell you this? Don't let anybody make light of your situation because it's your situation. And can I tell you something? When it's you, it makes a difference. Let me give you an example. One day, I woke up and my big toe hurt. I don't mean like it hurt a little bit, it hurt a lot. I mean, I'm going, what is wrong with me? And it got to the point I was walking to the dad. I said, like, I, I can't even put any weight on my toe. And I'm thinking, did I hurt it? Did all this stuff? And, and here's the thing. I had had friends tell me, some man, my toe hurts. And I'm going, really? Suck it up. It's different when it's your toe. And you're going through life and you're going, man, my toe hurts so bad. But then we look at other people who are going through things and it doesn't seem as big a deal. But when it's your situation, it's a big deal. So don't let anybody tell you that your situation or to, to kind of dismiss you, don't, don't do that. And if they do, just ignore it. They're not God, they're not Jesus, they're not your savior, they're not gonna do anything about it, he is. So what I wanna tell you today is that through all these things and all these challenges you maybe have trying to stay on the kingdom road, I wanna remind you finally of this one scripture. And I love the scriptures found in Psalms chapter, Psalm chapter 24. And the scripture is so powerful because it tells us who we need to be. This is Jacob, the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face. Now let me stop right there for a second because I've, I've got to point you in the right direction on this. This is what abiding is. This is what continuing is. This is what it looks like to stay in Christ. It's a generation of those who seek him, who seek your face. And this is the answer. Selah means that's the prayer. Here's the answer. It says, lift up your heads, O you gates, and be lifted up, you everlasting doors, and the king of glory shall come in. Now, I get get chill bumps every time I read that. Because see, a lot of people read this and think, oh, lift up your heads, you gates, and be lifted you up. Some of you guys have got some issues that are some gates in your life. They're blocking you from getting to the other side. They're blocking you from getting to the place that you wanna be in life, from your marriage being what you want it to be, from everything in your life, you can name it. But there's a gate there, and you gotta get through the gate. And the word's saying this, when you abide, when you stay in him and continue on his road, then those gates will be lifted. I love that, lift up your heads. It's mean lift it up, they're gonna come up. And then it comes this, you everlasting door. Have any of you ever felt like a door was gonna stay closed forever?
when we abide in him, God says, I'm going to open those doors. But you need to abide in me. So whatever you're going through, whatever you're struggling through today, I just want to remind you of this, that God is making a way. Now, it's not a matter of you waiting on God. It's a matter of God seeing that you have chosen to abide and continue in him, in his son, in the vine. And that's my challenge for every one of you today, that you would choose to stay, even when things get hard and you don't understand why things are like they are. Even when it seems the people that you thought loved you, not so much. Even when everything you dreamed of and built your life on shifts underneath you, that we remember this, that, hey, you know what? It's part of the journey, but I'm not getting off the road. I'm staying on target. I'm not getting distracted by the things around me because here's the deal. You may lose everything tomorrow. Who knows? Look what 2020 did. You can lose a lot of things suddenly and not know what happens. But here's what I do know, especially for those that are in Christ, those that are abiding in Christ, that God says, this didn't take me by surprise. And he says, but if you'll stay with me, I'm going to make it better. I'm going to do some things that you, you can't even see yet. See, I, I think there are some business ideas. I think there are some solutions to issues in our communities and all those things. And the, the part of that that needs to be played is people in this room right now. There are ideas that are circulating in your head, but you keep dismissing them because you think that's just silly. But God's saying, no, I placed those thoughts in your head. I need you to pray for them and begin to speak over them. And when I put a dream in your head, don't give up because it gets hard. Don't give up because the world tells you it's stupid. Don't give up because there's a difficult path ahead. Stay the course. Continue. Stay. And then God will raise the gates, then God will open the doors. You just have to be faithful. Wow. Just that little part of what we talked about today will set you free. But I want you to do me a favor. Would you just bow your head, close your eyes all across the room. I'd ask the same of you that are watching online today. Bow your head, close your eyes, and let's, let's pray together. Father, across this room and across the homes, the workplaces, the vehicles, Father, I I pray that you begin to speak to each of our hearts today. That God, the areas where we realize we have weakened our connection to the vine, that God, you would help us to rectify that if we've not been connected to God's people, that God, we would get rooted and be a part of what you created. That God, if we've not loved people like we should, God, convict us and help us. And Father, if we've not had our eyes and our hearts on the harvest field, that God, you would awaken us to the mission of our hearts, of your heart. God, we ask you to convict us today that we might be who you've called us to be.
so that every head bowed and every eye closed. You're here today. They say, Pastor, you know what? This week, I need you to be praying for me because I know there's some elements of things I need to take care of that I need to start working on, that I need to confront in my own life so that I can be better connected to the vine. You say, Pastor, that's me. Would you pray for me this week? If that's you, I just want you to slip your hand up, hold it up so I'm I'm a visual prayer, so I want to see your hand. And that's how I'm going to pray for you this week. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yep, thank you. Thank you, thank you. Yes, ma'am, thank you. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Anybody else? I don't want to miss anybody. Amen. You can place your hands back down. Now, here's one more question I'm going to ask you today. You're here and you'd say, Pastor, the reality is, is I know that I'm not right with God. I'm not on the kingdom road. I'm way off of it. I've allowed the pride of life, the lust of the flesh. I, I've allowed all these things to take priority over my relationship with Christ or I've never even cho- chosen Christ. Not really. And you say, today, Pastor, I'm here and I need a change. I need Jesus today. And I'm not gonna embarrass you today. That's not what I do. But you're here today and you say, I need to make a decision. I wanna give you that opportunity. So with heads bowed and eyes closed one more time, you'd say, Pastor, that's me. Remember me today. I need Jesus. If that's you, just slip your hand up where you are and say, Pastor, remember me. I need to make it right. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Thank you. Yes, sir, thank you. Anybody else? This is the most important thing we could do today. Thank you. You could place your hands back down. Now I'm going to ask everyone in this room to stand to your feet. If you're watching us online, then just wherever you are, I want you to just get your heart ready for what God's doing. You'd say, Pastor, well, my house is all saved. We don't have any of these issues. Then start praying for another house. Pray for us. Pray for my house. Pray for somebody because we need it. But today, those that raise their hand and said, Pastor, I need you to be praying for me. I'm praying for you. But we do it together. That means I'm praying for you. I want you to do that back for me. Pray for me. Because we're family. We need each other. So if there's anything I've learned in life is, man, you ain't, you were not created to fly solo. We need each other. So I'm praying for you this week and I'm believing. I'm going to be declaring things over you this week, okay? So don't be surprised if you get a message from me. And there's those of you in this room that raised your hand and said, Pastor, I need Jesus. I need Jesus. We're going to say a prayer and get that process started for you. But for those that raise your hand, I'm going to offer this. Is it when you leave today? There's a little table out there. There's a place out there that Pastor Darren will have ready for you. Is this say, if you want direction, if you need some help in knowing how to walk in your faith, we want to walk it out with you. But the truth is, if you don't allow us to, we can't. So it's a step. But we want you to know we have the things that you need to help you be who God's called you to be. And we believe in you. So right now, let's do this. Let's bow our heads one more time and we're gonna pray this prayer. And I ask that you would mean this with your heart. So just 
Repeat this simple prayer after me. Dear Jesus, I'm sorry. Forgive me of my sin. Come into my heart and make me new. I receive you, Jesus, as my Savior right now. I repent of my sin and I turn away from my past. Today, I'm forgiven and I'm a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. I belong to Jesus. It's in his name I pray. Amen and amen. Can you give the Lord some praise this morning? I love that.